Welcome to the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry, coming at you from the Goetheanum in Donach, Switzerland, and visiting today with two very special guests. Immediately on my left is Weili Hülte. It's hard for me to say. Weili, welcome. Yeah. And on the other end is Jean-Michel Florent. And uh, Jean-Michel and Weili are the directors of the agriculture section of the Gautianum, doing the biodynamics work worldwide. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. And perhaps uh, you could say your names for our audience so they hear the correct pronunciation, <laughs> the, the precise pronunciation. Yeah, so my name is Ueli Hurter, and it's a Swiss-German name, and therefore it's not easy for other languages. And my name is Jean-Michel Florin, it's also maybe not so easy to say, and I come from France. Thank you very much. Yeah, ganz schwierig für mich. Difficult. Well done. <laughs> Jean-Michel is the co-leader of the section for agriculture since 2010. He studied agriculture and nature conservation, is the coordinator of the Biodynamic Association in France, author and editor of books and journals, expert and speaker on these subjects, uh, Goetean botany, medicinal plants, landscape, and viticulture. And, and we'll be talking a bit, we'll hit on viticulture and Goetean botany because this is a very important specific thread and gesture impulse running through Steiner's work. And Ueli <laughs> is also co-leader of, co of the section for agriculture also since 2010. And since 2020 is on the Executive Council of the General Anthroposophical Society. He's a member of the Board of Directors at Waleda since 2019 and a biodynamic farmer on the Fermi Fromagerie de Laubier. Ferme et Fromagerie de Laubier. Golly. <laughs> Part of the management of Laubier. Okay. Um, since 2002, he's a board member of the International Biodynamic Association and is on the supervisory board of the Biodynamic Federation Demeter International. He is also author of a book called Biodynamisch, Biodynamisch a new book that in uh, the near future will be available in English. And we'll talk about the books you guys have written as well. So thanks again. Welcome. Uh, and I'm, I'm so happy we have this opportunity to speak about such an important topic at such a momentous time and mm -hmm. and especially that we can do this together in person yeah mm -hmm. fine okay so kicking things off just to help create context and, and paint the picture you know talking about the picture behind us mm -hmm. um we're here at the gutianum what is the gutianum and and what's so special about this place where we're currently sitting together well, the Goetheanum is obviously a building because we can see it. It's shaped in concrete and it's huge. It's kind of huge building and it's like sculptured. Yeah, mm. it's a special uh, uh, language in, in architecture, I would say. 
and it has been built, this one, uh, this Goetheanum from 1925 to 1928, so it's quite one century old. And this one is the second building that has been on the very same place, a first one, and it was in wood, and it burned down. And then it has to be reshaped in a very, let's say, seen from outside, different way, but uh, the architecture is Rudolf Steiner, and he said it's the same, but expressed in another material and in another language of forms. So this is the aspect of the building, and yeah, the first purpose uh, has been to have a theater. There have been plays written by Steiner and others, and they became used at this time to play them. And they have been in different theaters, uh, mainly in Munich. And then they had the idea, let's do something like this um, for our own. And yeah, there has been uh, an owner here of this land. And he offered this to Steiner in order to build this building and to have yeah, a kind of center for anthroposophy first with the arts and then became more and more with uh, science and actually we call ourselves a school for spiritual science and perhaps you can introduce this aspect of what it is about the Goetheanum. Uh, this school of spiritual science is like a university so to say with different uh, departments we say section uh, 12 different uh, sections and for example <coughs> we have uh, we are leading the co-leading the section for agriculture but we have colleagues in the same building in a small building um, near the Goetheanum in the campus of the Goetheanum we have also the scientific section and then we have also a so social section section for pedagogy uh, medical section and other uh, art different art sections and so on and uh, sections are there for research and also training and development coordination and maybe one more aspect of the Goetheanum if we say Goetheanum we should really see that it's uh, we have a campus more or less uh, 10 hectares with a garden uh, it's really something between a farm and a garden because we have uh, uh, cows, we have uh, sheep, we have a big uh, vegetable garden, we have uh, flowers and we have also a something like a park. So the Goetheanum has also really a um, landscape around itself and it's here in Dorna maybe I would say the biggest garden from the, from the village. So it's also an open place for everybody from the region to come to the garden, to go in the Goetheanum. It's totally open to everybody. Yeah, and it's so absolutely beautiful. I had the opportunity to walk around a bit this morning to experience the garden, the plants. There's so much vitality in the landscape. And obviously, you know, many of our friends with biodynamic farms and gardens back in Colorado and elsewhere in North America have this same type of uh, experience where the vitality is, is mm -hmm. really enhanced. And I'm, I'm wondering, Jean-Michel, if, if you could tell us a little about the 
the the history, the impulse of the biodynamic work, particularly, and and how that got started, why that got started, and why maybe it's important for our times now. And we'll we'll talk more about this, obviously. It's interesting that um, Steiner was uh, asked about a lot of topics from different people around hi uh, him. So about uh, pedagogy, about medicine, and then the last one, or some of the last one, were the farmers. Uh, they asked him and said, yeah, but with your insights, maybe you could give very uh, interesting principles for the farming for the future, connected to the respect of life, of all living beings, because it was the, the core aspect. Huh? Uh, and it's strange because we, we could uh, think a uh, hundred years ago nature was okay, everything was okay. There was no real big ecological movement like now. I mean, the challenges were not really big connected to the questions of yeah. ecology. Eh? It yeah. was more industry and so on, social questions for sure and so on, inflations and so on. But uh, these farmers and these people, not only farmers and also uh, researchers and other people, they ask really uh, Steiner, can you give some insights for farming for the future, for the earth and for the food of people, for, to have a quality, high quality uh, food for the people also. And it was really the beginning of uh, biodynamic farming uh, 100 years ago in uh, 1924. In, um, and it was not at the Goetheanum. Steiner ga gave a course, eight lectures, in uh, Poland. This place is now in Poland, uh, in uh, Koberwitz. And there, more or less 130 people came together and they had uh, uh, eight lectures and also answers and so on. And out of this, it was the beginning of uh, an association of farmers and they developed step by step uh, biodynamic farming and now we have it uh, all over the world eh? so it's yeah the it's very beginning incredible it's it's such a a large movement with so much momentum now and really uh really it's uh interesting to talk about biodynamics with folks who aren't yet familiar with some of the practices and techniques and I often describe it to folks as a very advanced form of agri organic agriculture and land stewardship, pulling from uh, indigenous, traditional folk and esoteric knowledge and wisdom. And what I also remember hearing that part of why the farmers were asking Steiner to provide some insight is that this was the beginning of the chemical agriculture uh, uh, that has now obviously proliferated and caused so many challenges for us worldwide. And I'm, I'm wondering if, if you could give us a bit more context and adding to what Jean-Michel has said and, and take us in the direction of, of what's different about the practices compared to other modes of organic agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we look back to perhaps centuries of what we call actually traditional agriculture and this has been hard work and food security has not been given 
And traditional means you do the same that uh, your father did. And there is no reason to do it other than to do it again as the former generation have done it. And then science, natural science developed. We know from 15th century on in the Western uh, civilization and in the, let's say then 19th century, this new science approach also came to agriculture. And there then chemicals has been, yeah, the science who could explain how it works, how plants they grow, how they root and what they do with the roots in the soil. This was very new, very new. And then this has been a kind of breaking up with tradition. Mm -hmm. And then this became industry. Yeah? What all has been science became industry. And so we have uh, important dates are 1840 with Justus Liebig, a chemical man from Germany. And he describes the nutrition phenomena um, with minerals for the plant. And this then became industry in the First uh, World War, where the, where the fabrics for the artificial nitrogen has been built up. First it was for war, the war was over, and then they sold this to the, to the farmers. Mm -hmm. And in this very moment, the question has come to Rudolf Steiner, is this the way to go? Is this the future? Mm -hmm. And then he opened this other path, yeah? Mm -hmm. But being scientific, but he's, he names it spiritual science. So this is kind of, yeah, special, because uh, either you are spiritual or scientific, or scientific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to, mm -hmm. to, <coughs> to say a spiritual science, and this is, uh, I would say, a kind of strength of anthroposophy, that it's both. Well, this is not so much our subject now, but out of this dream came these lectures for, for farming. And okay, we take on what has been best practice by tradition. We do many things uh, which organic people also do. And then we do some more. Because Steiner said, okay, artificial nitrogen we, we don't take pesticides we don't take and this was not in the in, 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 in not really there but GMO we don't we will not do yeah. but how can we then do is it just enough to go back and to do traditional farming and he said no we have to create the future mm -hmm. but not with materialistic science and techniques with a kind of spiritual science and technique coming out of it. And therefore we have a set of principles and practical things we do in biodynamics and this differs us from, from others. And the very best known and the very, let's say, most characteristic is what we call our preparations. Yeah. We can talk about if you like, but uh, so far for the historical situation. Yeah, it, it's so wonderful and I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear because, you know, so many friends, we make preparations together and mm -hmm. um, it's such a joy coming together in community when we're making the preparations and then also when we're applying, mm -hmm. stirring and applying the preparations. And 
I'll just mention we've we've had several other dear friends on the podcast talking about different aspects of this, and we'll include references in the show notes. We recently spoke with Sheila Foster, the executive yep. director of the Biodynamic nice. Demeter Alliance, and we actually talked with Lynn Bautza a couple yep. of years ago, and <laughs> uh, Thea Maria Carlson, Pat Frazier, Stephanie Sizen, Brooke Levan at Sustainable Settings, where I used to work almost 20 years ago. And <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's, you know, we have, we have so many friends and colleagues engaging in regenerative agriculture, mm -hmm. in permaculture, in tools and techniques that aren't necessarily getting into the depths of the spiritual, the heart, the mind, the will. And one of my favorite quotes from Steiner that I know translated into English, um, I'm going to probably include in the show notes about the importance of connecting the, the mind, the will, and implicit mm -hmm. the heart uh, for mm -hmm. human beings, especially in these times. And he speaks about this. There's a real sense of, of going way beyond mm -hmm. the uh, building blocks of nutrition as understood in a chemical sense yep. and getting into some of the deeper, subtler, and perhaps uh, not as, as well understood quite yet aspects of what it really means to be a human being alive on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. yeah. Can yeah. you tell us, pull that thread through and just tell us a little about the preparations and for some of our audience who maybe isn't familiar, Whaley? Yeah, but just taking on this, what does it mean to be man on Earth? Mm -hmm. Human beings on Earth, mm -hmm. humanity on Earth. And I will just link up to the upcoming conference we yeah. will have here at the Goetheanum. Our big hall has thousand places, so we hope that we will be full. And the title, yeah, how do you celebrate 100 years of something? Yeah? You, 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 you are looking for two, for two, yeah, to find the point where it is. Yeah? And so we found the point in a way that we said, Sun, Earth, Man. This is the title. And this sun, earth, man, yeah, this relation is a short form. It's just the terms of a kind of <coughs> verse. And the verse goes like this, from sun, through the earth, for man. This is the first part, yeah. May man become sun for the earth. And I would say in this gesture, in this double gesture, we have what it is about, yeah? That the sun shining and bringing her warmth and light to the dark but fertile earth makes growing the plants and we have our food. Mm. And then came the second thing that we cultivate this given nature. We are in our view, co-creators of an earth then which um, yeah, has an inner sun in some way and this is our working with our hands guided by spirit, heart and, and hands. And this came very clearly to appearance with the preparations where we create out of the kingdoms of the given nature, new substances which we introduce in our farm organisms, as we call them. So not farm systems, farm organism, meaning a living being, 
And then with the preparations there in this living being has new capabilities for to connect with the cosmos, for to connect with the earth, and for to be, let's say, open uh, for, for the humans. And yeah, we always take something which came from the plant kingdom we take something which came from the animal kingdom and then we make a kind of composition with the seasons. Will you describe one of the preparations oh, as an yeah, example? Yeah. <laughs> I can. Yeah. Um, there is one <coughs> which is interesting maybe easy, easy, a little bit easier to understand it, the uh, chamomile. Huh? Yeah. And the chamomile is a, a plant, um, uh, Matricaria recutita, Latin name, <laughs> because there are a lot of similar plants. But it grows on a very uh, hard soil, actually, in a m on a mineral soil without life. Huh? The soil is totally dead, without breathing. And uh, it's interesting because it's a very, this plant is very um, not dense, not hard, but it grows, it's an annual plant and it grows always further and further and further and grows in the space and uh, build um, leaves and more leaves and more leaves, but the leaves are really, um, how do you say, they are a little bit, um, they are not hard, they are really, they give the possibility to the air to go through, to, to they play really with the air, they play with the light, they, they are really like breathing. Eh? And in the soil, the chamomile has also uh, a lot of roots in every direction. And it's a similar picture. The roots of the chamomile, they are going in every direction and bring, they bring air in the soil, so to say, yeah, because they are really um, helping this soil, uh, this very hard soil. It's like concrete, uh, and now with these roots, you get like a breathing. And this plant brings something like a, a rhythm in the soil. The air can go in the soil. If there is too much water in the soil, it can uh, go outside. So there is really uh, all the elements are mixed together through the chamomile. So it's the first picture. So to understand the preparations, we have to, to look where the plants are, are living and what they do in the place where they are growing. And then we make a big step <coughs> and we make something like sausages with, uh, mm -hmm. with the flowers. Huh? Yeah. We, t we take the, the best out of the development of the chamomile these small uh, flowers and they smell very nice huh? and we know the they have a specific quality also for baby skin and so on. Um, they, they are very good against every kind of inflammation. Also for breathing, especially for the guts. And it's the connection. Uh, th that means if I have a, a guts problem, so I cannot really digest, take chamomile tea, 10 minutes after it's, it's gone. Yeah. Also for small babies. Mm -hmm. You can also use it from outside on the on the belly, and and then if you and, and now we make sausages, not with uh, meat, uh, <laughs> no, 
but we, we make the same. We take uh, animal guts and we put the flowers in it. But maybe you can understand the connection. Huh? Yeah. We take the organs which can be healed through these plants. Yeah. And so we enhance the capacity of the plant through this um, preparation. Yeah. And then we put these uh, sausages in the soil in uh, autumn and they are like during the uh, the winter in the in the soil and there is a transformation and in spring you take these small sausages out of the soil you have to be very careful because the sausages are like more or less destroyed and mm -hmm. you have really to find the the plants because they are really transformed and it's one of the preparations and we put a very small amount in the compost. It's really not a question of a lot of sausages. It's really a very small amount, like a yeah. remedy. Huh? Not Almost like home homeopathics. Yes, yeah. yes. For a big compost, uh, you put uh, like that. Huh? Yeah. So. <coughs> you know, uh, Jean-Michel, I'm, 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 I'm elated. I'm overjoyed you chose uh, the chamomile. Okay. <laughs> For me, this is a very important uh, symbolic gesture also with the relationship with mercury and the hermetic mm -hmm. arts and you mm -hmm. know we're gonna we're gonna pull mm -hmm. the conversation back to the incredible conference coming up in february of 2024 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. marking the 100 year anniversary and also through all of this is very practical work being done for soil regeneration climate stability resilience nutrition mm -hmm. for people mm -hmm justice and with Rudolf Steiner we have the opportunity to run down some pretty exciting rabbit holes um, uh, including getting into some of the esoteric sciences and in the Rosicrucian practices for example and some of the other uh, initiatic traditions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there there is this uh, body of, of of work of practice around the hermetic arts around the above and the below around mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. the healing and so many of our mm -hmm. modern symbols even for things like medicine come yeah. from these traditions oh. mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if uh one or both of you might uh reflect a little on some of the very esoteric aspects of steiner's work uh his knowledge and how that has influenced mm -hmm. this this work being done now in our world Yes, as I already said, he took together science and spirituality and where is the bridge? Where is the bridge between yeah. science and spirituality? Yeah. And for him, it's the thinking. The thinking who is in the same time, let's say, the main tool in modernity for to create this abstract and materialistic view on the world, mm -hmm. he says we should not go out of the line of the thinking. Yeah. But we cannot, we, we, we can do something with the, with the thinking. We can try to hold it on. That's not always one thought is just creating the other one. Yeah. This is how it works in us, we can observe. Huh? It's a machine which is always, it's going on huh? without my will. Huh? Mm. So can I interfere with my 
own personal will in my thinking and for example hold it on, shape it, move it, transform it. And when you do this you can say these are exercises which lead to something which then at the end can be, can be named as a meditation. And there came the link with the old traditional, mm -hmm. as, mm -hmm. um, let's say, spiritual, sci uh, spiritual approach. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And this makes this wonderful thing that you are master of your spirituality. You are not just open up and let the godness take you on. You master but you widen your thinking in a way that you really create a space where something other than let's say the physical world can appear and can be <coughs> seen and can be then related on. <coughs> so perhaps this as a first approach <coughs> it's not to go under the consciousness it's to go a step above the normal consciousness but by a, let's say, training and exercising, which is completely in my hands. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I could add, uh, because also in the conference in February, we, we have to, each year we take one small text from Steiner, mm -hmm. uh, the last text, uh, text he wrote at the end of his life. Uh, the name is Michael Letter. <coughs> And we will uh, present one text, and it's very interesting because in this text uh, Steiner describes four, four steps of uh, consciousness, four steps of um, relationship between human beings and world, or nature and the world, eh? and the universe, one can say. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the first step, step he explains that the human beings were fully connected and they got the wisdom directly from outside. And they look at a plant, they got the wisdom, but without any reflection, without any effort. So, and uh, for example, uh, in the, and, and then it goes on, uh, in the second step, they didn't perceive directly the, the wisdom of the gods, as it was said with the old words. I can say it also wisdom, but we can say, uh, yeah, gods. Second step, it was more the expression of the gods, what they are doing, but not really connection with. And so step by step until now, uh, human beings disconnect actually from this wisdom. Uh, spiritual wisdom all around mm -hmm. and uh, now uh, we have to think as uh, Udi said we have to think and we are free to think but the question is how we think if we think too quick and without really looking without making this kind of meditative way then we yeah it's like this machine huh, which is going on and then we go to artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it could be the way. <laughs> the other way would be to stop and really think on a different way. One can say, and Steiner gives a very interesting uh, thing. He says we should 
not only think with the head, but more with the heart also, together. That means I look at a plant, for example, but I try also to feel. But really to use my feelings as perception organs. That, that means I don't put my feelings on the plant. Ah, I like this plant, wonderful. No, I look it in a very objective way and I wait until some feelings are coming to me yeah. by looking at the plant. And then we can see every plant gives us a specific kind of feeling. So it's not only looking and thinking, but also, also thinking with the heart. Yeah. So it could be the step for the future um, to reconnect with nature on a very conscious way. But we need to reconnect because we need it really now. We are in such a situation uh, totally disconnected. I mean, yeah. I think every of us knows much better what is uh, the news from the other side of the world, but we don't know which plants are growing in uh, front yeah. of our door. So yeah. it's a pity. Yeah. I don't say it's not good to know what is happening on the other side of the world, but there where we can make something yeah. in our garden, yeah, in front of our door, we should know this. We should observe this. We should think about our place, our village, our farm, our forest, our region. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And as hundreds and thousands and millions of us are more deeply engaging in this yes. practice, starting at the root, the center of the yeah. home, yeah. the family, the community, this exactly. is the exactly. gesture that scales worldwide. And here comes an aircraft. To, we, we have <laughs> church bells and aircrafts and all kinds of good things going on. And, you know, in, in this time we have uh, also, of course, the issue of soil regeneration, carbon sequestration, climate stabilization. And I'm, I'm really curious, how, how many, do we have an idea, how many biodynamic farms are there worldwide? And, and how, you know, what's a, a way we can sort of convey to our friends and our audience how big and robust this movement is already? Yeah, uh, it's big and small in the same time. Uh -huh. <laughs> Depends how you judge it, and it's robust and shake in the same time. Mm. We have a certification for what we do. We call it Demeter certification. It's mm -hmm. it's a trademark then for the products in the market, and we have about eight to nine thousand certified operations in the world, um, agricultural operations. And then we have, I would say, the same number of really concise operations which are not certified because they are in places where there is no market. Or for example, the wine growers, the, the, they have another way to, to sell their, their bottles. So this means we are about perhaps 20,000 and then we are up a, perhaps uh, 20,000 more with all smallholders. They are grouped in projects where they are 1,000, 2,000 or 5,000 together doing perhaps um, yeah, a crop which they can sell with a cooperative, let's mm -hmm. say coffee or cotton or something like this. And they have one or two hectares for their family and they do biodynamics even when the product then is certified organic and is sold as such. Mm -hmm. So I would say we are perhaps on 40,000 
places we are really active and consistently with biodynamics. And then we have many gardeners and mm -hmm. smallholders yeah. and mm -hmm. people involved, let's say, with um, the other aspects of biodynamics, which goes then to transformation of the basic products, goes to the, the, the value chain and the different steps like this until cooks. Yeah, we have chiefs of very famous chiefs, they rely on biodynamic food mm -hmm. for to do their art, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, um, at uh, Sustainable Settings Biodynamic Ranch, where I used to work near Aspen, Colorado, we have some of the finest restaurants in mm -hmm. Colorado yep. and North yep. America, and mm -hmm. many of the chefs there say only the biodynamic produce has the depth and complexity of flavor mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They can't get it elsewhere, mm -hmm. and uh, so that this gets into some of the yeah. quality, the nutrition, yeah. Uh, yeah. the yeah. the life force, the vitality. I mean, maybe we can speak about that a little bit, also. Yeah, uh, please, <laughs> because it's you know quality of food mm -hmm. and wine is coming from France. Ah, okay, uh, <laughs> so terroir, <laughs> terroir, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really, really the case, and huh? we were. Even as Biodynamic Association in France, we were surprised as the first vintners came to us and said, but you have a very interesting method. We, we get really better wines with this if we do a good job, huh, for sure. And uh, so some now uh, I can say yeah, some of the best wines of, of the world uh, in France, but now more in more and more countries uh, are working with bio, uh, Biodynamic. And the interesting aspect is that they came, for a big part, they came to biodynamics really through tasting first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even blind mm. tasting and so on, or tasting the wine from the colleagues. Huh? Mm -hmm. well, the colleague is doing biodynamics. It's a li little bit strange what he is doing. Uh, yeah, very early in the morning, he sprays something on his uh, grapes and so. And then uh, you ask and he says, yeah, it's only four grams of uh, silica. So you think it works? <laughs> and then the, the colleague asks huh, and the vintner says, please look at my wine, how step uh, a year after year, how it, uh, it's, yeah, how does it taste? And so uh, we could really convince a lot of vintners through, through tasting, through looking at the situation but also looking at the soil, huh, for sure, looking also at the, the soil is better, the plants are healthier, and you know the, the wine plants, they are always ill, actually. You have to spray so much, mm. so every mm. time you, you, you spray less, and if you can really spray more and more with the uh, with, uh, plants, huh, instead and at the end stop with any kind of chemical, then you are so happy for your nature, for your landscape, because yeah. wine is really of one of the most uh, intensive uh, um, culture uh, with so much pesticides. Mm -hmm. So that means also from this side, it's uh, really important. But I would say a lot of people discovered um, biodynamics, a lot of vintners through tasting. I even had a student I asked, when I have a student, some biodynamic student, they want to uh, learn two years long, so it's a long study, and 
why are you there? And one said, yeah, I, I like the wines and I discovered these very good qualities and I thought I have to study this. Mm. So <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's <laughs> fabulous. Yeah, I love this. Let me uh, remind our audience, this is the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry. Today we are visiting at the Gothianum in Switzerland with the co-directors of the Section for Agriculture here, uh, Jean-Michel Flahan and Weili Hulte. Ueli Hurta, ah. yeah. <laughs> Ueli Hurta. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I want to take a, a quick moment to thank a few of our sponsors who make this podcast series possible. This includes Chelsea Green Publishing. We have a great partnership with them. You can use the code YOE35 at Chelsea Green to get a 35% discount on their books and audiobooks, and in fact, many of their authors are engaged in biodynamics also. Uh, so there's a lot of cross-fertilization going on here, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. um, Purium Organic Superfoods, uh, Waylay Waters, biodynamically grown hemp-infused aromatherapy soaking salts. Mm -hmm. This is actually a social enterprise Why on Earth community uh, runs to help fund our work. Um, our friends at Profitable Purpose Consulting, uh, Earth Hero Sustainable Products, Soilworks Biodynamic Garden Preparation, Earth Coast Productions, and of course a very special thank you to all of our ambassadors and especially those uh, who have uh, chosen to give in our monthly giving program. And if you're uh, interested in giving uh, on a monthly basis, you can go to wineearth.org and select the donate button to select whatever level works well for you. Uh, if you choose $33 or greater, and if you're in the United States, we'll send you a jar of the Waylay Water soaking salts each month as a thank you, and uh, also for self-care. And uh, we promised we would talk a bit about the viticulture, and we've done that. And, and I want to also talk about the Goetheian botany. Um, but first, want to make sure to emphasize mm -hmm. the importance of this upcoming conference in February 2024, um, the 7th through the 10th, you can go to agriculture-conference.org uh, to get information on this, to register, um, get more details, and so on. Also, uh, for general information, you can go to section-landvietschaft.org slash en if you're looking for English, and we'll include uh, the links in the show notes, of course. Um, and, and more broadly, there's an opportunity to become a member of and or connect to the General Anthroposophical Society, which is one of the other uh, global web works uh, emanating out from the Goetheanum. So lots of ways to connect in and uh, very excited about the upcoming conference marking the 100 year anniversary of the agriculture lectures, the biodynamic movement. And so maybe as a moment to ground this into an even uh, uh, an impulse that's even further back in history, the impulse of Goethe. Uh, mm. He has given so much to our world in philosophy and literature, etc. What is it about the the impulse from Goethe that is now alive and uh, activated through biodynamics and through the legacy of Rudolf Steiner? I think that. <coughs> very interesting uh, aspect from Goethe we, we really use one can say in uh, biodynamic agriculture is this specific look 
uh, not only on the the on nature like things, but that uh, he could really uh, look at the plants, at the animals, as um, as uh, living beings. And it seems to be easy, but it's really not easy. In the daily life, mostly, very often, we speak about resources if we speak about plants. But they are not resources. They are beings. They are living beings. So they, they have their own dignity. But everybody can uh, think uh, in every situation, how do I deal with my plants? I deal with my plants, I ask myself, are they good for me, are, are they bad for me? But it's very egoistic. It's possible, but first we have to give the plants and the animals their own dignity. That means to look at them as, as living beings. And for this, Goethe could really make, uh, open a way how to look at the plants as living beings. For example, for the plants, if you want to understand them as living beings, you have to look at them in their context, in the space where they are living, what I tried to explain with the chamomile. Huh? I described the chamomile in the context, yeah, not on the table, not cut in small pieces, yeah? and also in the development, in time, because a plant, such being like a plant, is actually a being in time. You have to look at all steps of development, the life. Yeah? If you look at the life and you try inside, so to say, to f oh, you try to follow these steps, and then you come in a flow of life. And then you see a plant is not a thing. It's a process in time. It's a very different. And then you can ask what are the consequences for breeding and so on. And then we could speak about GMOs and so on. Because yeah. if you make GMOs, you make this if you think the plants like machines. And you can take a part and put a better part. Mm -hmm. But the plants are not machines. They are processes. In a process, if you want to work with processes, you can transform the plant. Our breeders do this, but they do, they do this outside in the fields and in time. And they help the plants to develop their own potentiality, not transforming like a machine. Eh? So it makes a huge difference. And one can say it's really, Goethe brought really an, an ethical view um, on nature and nature and human beings. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, perhaps to add, <coughs> yeah. he was this kind of scientist yeah. for life. And he is also very known as a writer. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And his, let's say, um, chef d'oeuvre, so his masterpiece is called Faust. Yeah. Yeah. Das habe ich gelesen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and Very Faust is the dramatic story <coughs> yeah. of, of himself. Yeah. And he is a professor, so he is a scientist. Yeah. And he came about that he, with this kind of science, he's out of life. And then Mephisto came. Yeah. Mephisto is kind of appearance of what, of what is the bad or the how toy to say the devil. Yeah, yeah, the devil. Yeah. devil, yeah. And he says, oh, you look, uh, I can help you enter in life. They will you make young, you <laughs> can uh, meet nice girls. Right. 
Yeah, ready. Faustian and so he, he goes <laughs> in and he does his journey, <coughs> the, he goes on his journey through life. Yeah. And it's very dramatic. Yeah? People die and there is a war and they do, they, they invent money. Yeah, so kind of bitcoins <laughs> at the time and so on. And at the end, he is an old man and it's the moment of, yeah, of dying. And this is the question now, is he on the side of the devil or on the side of, let's say, heaven? Huh? Yeah. And it's not so clear. Huh? It shakes a little bit and then, mm. yeah, his soul can go to heaven because Margarete Gretchen um, yeah, is, is there and, and, and helps to him. So das, Goethe das, is das also... ewige weibliche trägt uns hin an. Super. Oh. Super. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The eternal feminine, yeah. right? It yeah. gets into yeah. the, yeah. the yeah. eternal feminine. So Goethe yeah. is also the writer of the modern typology of biography, mm -hmm. of which concerns us all. And therefore, the Goetheano behind us is also built. Huh? We do Goethe's Faust each second year in full length. Wow. So, <laughs> you are when invited. I, when is the next one? Next one is uh, next summer. Cool. Next summer. So, go on the webpage of the Goetheano, we will find it. And I can tell you, it's great. It goes for days and days. Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. And it's all about, it's very um, colorful light and it's with Eurythmy and it's mm. with music. So it's really a complex uh, play. And yeah, this is also Goethe. So it's not out of modern times. It's really how can we as modern beings find our path towards ourself, meaning towards, yeah, let's say the reality of our existence on earth, but not forgetting heaven. Yeah, absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Look, I know you both have a very busy day with yeah. meetings and yeah. I heard church bells, I've lost track of what time we have yeah. and want to honor your schedule. Uh, before we wrap up the episode, of course, we could talk for days and I hope to come back and have yeah. mm -hmm. more opportunities to, to <laughs> share yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, look forward to For that. example, Fine. in February for the conference. Yeah, vielleicht. You uh, could <laughs> meet here so many of our people. I would from love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and of course, you're both authors. And before we wrap up, if you want to share a bit about your books briefly, maybe you can. And, I'm handing you this one that you wrote. Um, but more than anything, I want to make sure to give you each the floor if there's any final remark you'd like to share with our audience before we conclude today. So I take the occasion to present this little booklet I did together with uh, someone other. And it's about biodynamics in a very, let's say, popular way, yeah? In a, in a vocabulary which is really accessible for, I hope, everyone. And the subtitle is, yeah, the birth uh, moment of biodynamics as a source, as a root, as a starting point for the eco-movement throughout the 20th century. So we feel ourselves happy that we are what we are and that 
we have the term and the identity of biodynamics and demeter, but we feel also very, very connected to all other eco-movements, to all other mm -hmm. people and all other strivings for, yeah, to practice a life in farming and in others which really respects our earth as a living being and that we make ourselves capable to co-create the future and the partnership between humans and the earth. Beautiful. Amen. Aho. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I think it was a good end, so to say. Yeah? Uh, I don't want to add so much. I want really to invite all, all of you to, to come to our conference, if you can, because it's always a very, yeah, the very important uh, time where all people from, I think, more than uh, 50 uh, countries are coming uh, together, mm -hmm. all continents. And it's also for us very important to say the biodynamic agriculture was given 100 years ag uh, ago. But now, step by step, uh, it could really develop all over the world, and we have, s and we develop further. This agriculture is not, yeah, it, it was the first principles were given, but now it's something like a stream tra with transformation and going further and further, and we need really uh, these sharings, this conference, is really important to be in touch and to to really work on the on the big challenges we have now so it's not some something which is fixed it's something really always in transformation and then for this we need everybody and all friends all people who are involved to come together and to share so very warm welcome to the conference this year or the next year oh. yeah this is wonderful thank you so much and really Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank really you. Thank you. Really appreciate it, Jean Michel. Thank you very thank much. You. It's wonderful to have this opportunity to visit with you. And uh, for now, goodbye, everybody. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code WHYONEARTH, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.